Thank you, Chris. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving season with your families, as you were able to spend some time with some of them, I hope. Um, as you saw the video of North Africa, Middle East, I hope you think of Chad and Amanda. Uh, they're members of our church that live in that region, North Africa, Middle East. Uh, continue to lift them in prayer as they, when you think of that 1% of believers, that's where they live. Uh, and so we want to pray for God's ministering hand uh, through them and the encouragement uh, for them. Well, you know, this Thanksgiving was a challenge for me. I uh, just share a little bit about the 24 hours leading up to Thanksgiving Day. Uh, kind of started Tuesday evening for us. Um, you know, we go down to Shelby uh, about three, three and a half, four hours uh, away. So we like to have a vehicle that works uh, to make that trip. And so uh, the service engine light had come on the uh, Suburban. So we thought, well, let's get that checked out. Bad news, transmission's gone. Um, so I thought, well, that's not going to make it to Shelby. And I don't have time to get that fixed. Uh, so we're going to get the, the Acura in. That's, you know, got six people with luggage. So you got to get something big. So the Acura is the next biggest thing and, and get that worked on and uh, so they're having that overnight. Uh, Tuesday evening, we find out that uh, Cannon breaks his arm, uh, and so we spend uh, till 2 a.m. Uh, in the uh, children's hospital area though, there as I drive in the Suburban with the service engine light on with my son broken uh, in the hospital. And so come Wednesday, uh, waiting to hear something about the Acura, they called me and said, we're not going to get this thing finished. Uh, it won't be ready until sometime Friday. I said, I'm not going to be here Friday. I need a car. Uh, so we had to uh, trans, uh, exchange a gift Wednesday evening, get in the, uh, the one last car, uh, and uh, back out. And as I'm backing out, service engine light comes on, uh, charging system's not working. I quickly just go back into the garage, slam every door I can, and mention to my daughters, I need to break something. <laughs> my life is just frustrating. And uh, we get back uh, into the car, thinking, I hope I get there somehow in the uh, Suburban uh, with the service engine light on. And all the while, you know, the, the, the girls have stopped talking a long time ago. Uh, they know that dad's not in the mood to talk. Um, and I'm just stewing. You know, I'm just stewing. I'm just like, God, why is this so hard right now? And uh, I'm thinking, and here I am supposed to go to Thanksgiving tomorrow with my family. And it dawns on me, yes, that's the very thing I need to do. I need to give thanks because my heart is so angry and so wrong and so discontented and I hate how I feel. I hate the tension. I hate the anger. I hate hating. <laughs> and it's in this moment as I think through this and pray and I just say, God, Forgive me. Forgive me. 
help me to give thanks. Help me to have a heart that looks to not off the things that are broken, but at what you're doing. Because you have to believe that in those moments when everything's breaking down uh, and, and your finances are totally whacked out, that God's doing things. And He will do things. And can you have a heart, can you have eyes, can you have a mind to look to that? And this is part of how God works in us, how God teaches us, how He trains us to be more like Him. It is in these moments that are most painful, that the Word of God can speak into it if we'll have a heart and mind to see and say, God, I see a lot of bad things around me, but my life doesn't come from my car. My life doesn't come from my finances. It doesn't come from my children's health. My life doesn't come from these things. It comes from your Word. And what does your Word say? Give thanks. So with that thought, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, we've been uh, introducing this theme of um, breathe. Just breathe. Inhale the Word of God. Inhale the character of God. And exhale. I have yet to talk about what we exhale. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, Lord willing. Uh, as we've been looking in this First Peter 2, this book was written by Peter to a group of people that have endured and do endure suffering, who endure persecution. And he says, I want you to work together as God's people in suffering to do and be a certain type of person. And so this word is instructive for those of us who endure persecution, who endures suffering to various degrees, and how do we work together. And in this, he says in chapter 1, leading up to this, as you are being born again, love one another, and love one another earnestly from a pure heart, chapter 1, verse 22. And he says, how do we do this? And he talks about the Word of God, that we have been born again, chapter 1, verse 23, not from perishable seed, but the imperishable, living, abiding Word of God, that though flesh will pass away like grass, the Word of the Lord will remain forever. This is the good news that's being preached to us, and we preach it to ourselves. And this is what I was trying to preach to myself Wednesday evening. God, give me good news. Give me the gospel. Help me to have your Word to sustain me. And so we come to chapter 2. We looked at what this means, that we have to put away that which robs us as a people, uh, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, but instead to long for pure spiritual milk. And we talked about how this is longing for the word of God in our life, that we may grow up into salvation, grow up together as a people, grow up individually to have the word of God ministering to our life. And so this is the challenge for us in 2018 that we want to begin a, a church-wide Bible reading plan together. Uh, it's called an, the plan Bible reading plan F260 uh, for 260 days out of the 365 days of the year. All right, okay. Uh, and so it gives us five days a week that we will begin January 1 uh, with our reading plan on that week. And so if you have the Bible reading app, the Version Bible reading app on your phone, you can look up Bible reading plans, and if you look up F260, you'll see it there. 
We will have it uh, in paper uh, for the rest of us, uh, and we'll have it online where you can see it and follow along. We'll be having our congregation reading selections uh, each Sunday as we gather together, selections of that time of what we're reading so we can grow together in the Word of God, letting God's grace grow us up. And so as to crave God's spiritual milk, as we see this in chapter 2, verse 2. And then we looked last week at what Christ is doing. As we read the scriptures, we're actually coming to Christ. Uh, and as we see in verse 4, reading the scriptures, you're coming to Jesus. And that's the point of reading of, of us right now. And we're, and we're saying with a prayer, Jesus, come to us. Lord, let us come to you. Let this be a reunion of your mind with our heart. Jesus, come to us. And that's the point of reading the word of God. And so we see that, that we come to him as our foundation, Christ being the, the cornerstone. We come to him as our pattern to grow us up into. We come to him as Christ, as our greatest value in our life, the precious cornerstone that is precious before God. So what does that mean for us now? Um, so let's go to now chapter 2. We're going to start with verse Nine. Read verse 9 and 10. You're going to have to bear with me. You're, the screen's not working anymore. Uh, something's happened, and so I'll try to make it very clear for you, okay? All right, so let's read the Word of God. I'm going to ask that you stand as we read. I'll read aloud as you read silently. But you are chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You may be seated. As we read this, I read verse 9. And you see these four descriptors describing a church. And it tells me very clearly, first of all, consider what Christ has made us. So we read verse 9. It tells us what Christ has made us as a church. He's made us, one, a chosen race, two, a royal priesthood, three, a holy nation, four, a people for his own possession. Read down to verse 10, and it gives us a little bit more of this. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so, I've been watching this show, uh, it's kind of one of my addictions I watch with the boys from time to time, Forged in Fire. If you ever watch this show, it's just uh, about these guys that, that get scrap metal, various types of metal, and they, uh, within a certain amount of time, make knives. I love knives, and I love watching this stuff, and it's just it's my type of show. And uh, you learn about forging along the way, and, and the idea of forging is that you can get various metals uh, and 
uh, if you put these metals together and you apply enough heat to these metals and you start pounding them and beating them into shape, that they actually, being forged, is that you get these various metals and they become as one piece of metal together. And then you can make your knife or whatever it is. As I read this passage, it has this image of, of people now being forged together uh, as one. To say that there's all kinds of personalities, but now because of what Christ is doing in our life, because he is the cornerstone, uh, the Bible uses the metaphor of us stones fitting together, that we actually are becoming one. And what is it that we are being made? One, a chosen race. Not the same thing as a choice race. Uh, I hope you understand the difference. Choice races, you know, you're, you're the, the, the top uh, quality. If you say choice meat, all right, uh, that means these are the top quality of meats. To say there's certain qualities, not to say that we are top quality as individuals, but as chosen to say it has nothing to do with who we are and our characteristics that God is working and wants us, desires us, to be for himself a human race that is spiritual in nature, different from all other biological distinctives. To say that we are spiritually brought together as a chosen race. What else has God made us? God has made us, notice this interesting word, royal priesthood. Royal priesthood, we kind of associate together because of the Bible. But these two things don't work together typically. Royalty is of the kingly line to say that we are in Christ. And so as we come upon Advent season, which begins next Sunday. Uh, so hopefully, if you, if you celebrate with your Advent candles, go ahead and get them out. We'll start Sunday uh, with our, our Advent uh, uh, season. So the coming of Christ, uh, of the son of David, the royal line. And say we are in Christ, we're part of the royalty, the kingly aspect. But then priesthood is a serving role. Royal servants. They are the ones that are representing the people, serving the people. And so when the Bible says that we are a royal priesthood together as a body, we represent in Nightdale those people who will bring the needs of Nightdale to God and through whom God can minister to Nightdale his kingly role. We are bridges. And to say that as a church together, we are forged into a bridge between Nightdale and the heavenly realm. Isn't that amazing to think that we are that bridge between the heavenly realm that we've yet to fully see and the world that we live in? And so that's part of the royal priesthood. Who are you representing before God? Who are you a bridge to uh, for God and the people around you and your families? Then it says a holy nation. What is God making us? It is not just to say that we are a, a subculture, but we are a counterculture in Nightdale and Raleigh, that God is making us in something different. In fact, as you keep on reading, notice verse 11, you look on the page, skip down, notice how God describes us there. I urge you as sojourners and exiles, we are not just of Nightdale, we're not just of Raleigh, we are now Outside of that, we are sojourners, exile, living in this world, counterculture to Nightdale. What makes this counterculture? Well, part of it is what he says in verse 11. To abstain from the passions of flesh which war against your soul. That in the sexual realms, there are some distinctives of who we are. And this is one of many things. 
And so we are a holy nation, a people for his own possession. We belong to him. This is who God has made us. And consider as we, we go down to verse 10. Who were we once? We once were not anything to God. We once were not even distinctive to God and to ourselves. But now we are God's people. Why? Because of mercy. Here's the thing. All of us are somebody because of God's mercy. Isn't it just so different than how this world works? I mean, we ask, are you somebody? Yeah, I'm somebody. And they start listing out their, uh, their achievements. But when we read the Word of God, we're somebody because of someone else's achievements that has been given us mercy. So our sense of identity flows totally different than how this world thinks. Uh, it, it's interesting, uh, I was at this Nightdell meeting of town leaders, uh, and they just asked for some churches to be there, of the Chamber of Commerce, to, and you know, everyone's giving their identity and, and who they are, and, and they have these lists of titles and lists of things that they do. And I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor of a church. <laughs> we don't have status because of achievements that we've done. What makes us distinctive is what Christ has done is freed us to serve you guys. And we want to serve the town and show you who Christ is by how we live in Nightdale. And so we are to be a holy nation that, that is distinctive because of God's mercy. And so here's the thing. How do you get to be one of these? How do you respond to the working of God? It requires us to, be, uh, to see ourselves and our sin, and to understand our need for God's mercy. But we'll keep on reading here. What, what has God made us? But I want to keep and focus on this next bit. As we read in chapter 2, verse 9. Notice, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Now notice this next word as you look at that. That. That you may proclaim. So that word that is to give us the order. This is the purpose. This is the why. What did God make us to do? As we read in verse 9, what God has made us. Now, in 2.9 part B, what has God made us to do? Why are we a church? Why have we received God's mercy? Why are we recipients of God's grace? Verse 9, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is the exhale. All right, inhaling is the word of God. Letting God minister to you through his word, the spiritual milk. But if you inhale oxygen, you've got to exhale something. And for us, according to the word of God, it is exhaling proclaiming the greatness of Christ. The excellencies, the glory, the beauty of who God is. And so as we read the word of God, there must be a proclamation with our words and with our deeds. Notice chapter 2, verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So this is your deeds as well as we see in verse 9, your words. You cannot proclaim without words. And this simply is, are we talking 
in 2018, are we and will we talk about what God has done? And so when we talk about breathing, getting back to the basis of what does it mean to be a follower of Christ, inhale the word of God, inhale the spirit of God working through his word, exhale, proclaim the goodness of God, the greatness of who he is. This past week, we um, had a, a fellow, his wife is a member of our church, and uh, he just never has uh, come at all. And so I was talking to him about helping us with some stuff here in our church with the lawn care and various things and, and some of our lawnmowers and just lending his expertise. And, and I was, you know, had a good time talking with him and um, he starts talking about his life and the various things through his life. And I thought, here it is. This is the moment. Either I could just talk to him about the details, or I can talk to him about why. And it is in this moment, if I just keep talking about mowing grass and lawnmowers, I'm going to totally miss the whole point. And the whole point is simply this. Have you thought about how good God has been to you throughout your life? And I've just been able to share with him, here how God has been good to me in my life. Let me just bring it to you. Have you considered this? Once you think about how good God is, and, and it was literally just asking those questions, changing the subject, sort of. This is the, the backdrop of everything, is the goodness of God. It's, it's what lies behind every conversation. If you have eyes to see, when you talk about the Thanksgiving, you complain about your car. You talk about how it's not working, but man, God has given me a car are he's been good his goodness has been the backdrop of every day of our life and every conversation with every relationship we have there is the backdrop of God's goodness and all we have to do is just bring attention to what's always been there so let me just share with you how this could happen in 2018 we've talked about uh, reading the word of God together I encourage you, one of the things that you could do is as you read the Word of God, is make a decision with one or two other people in our church or outside of our church and simply commit to them, I want to share with you what I have learned from God's Word. You see, if we just read the Bible... Hopefully God will use it to grow us. But we will fall short if at the same time we say, let's have a church-wide reading time. If we don't also say, let's have a church-wide sharing time. Because what happens if you just keep inhaling and never exhale? You die. As a church, if we don't inhale the word of God, we die. But if at the same time we don't exhale the goodness of God and share it and proclaim it with people around us, we die. Just like in your human life, so too spiritually, both forces must be there. And you may be thinking, well, you know, I can read the Bible. I don't, you know, there's nothing too bad about that. I just, you know, it's, it's kind of nice. I light my candle to get my coffee and get my blanket. It's kind of cozy and comfortable. But now you're talking about talking to people. That's not nearly as cozy. That's not comfortable. 
But you know, as I read the Word of God, one of the things that's been hitting me and teaching me that is in the moments we die to ourselves. It's in the moments we seek uncomfortable things that we experience the life of Christ over and over and over again. I could have never known how God would minister to me in our family and in our finances unless I experienced all three cars messing up at once. But it's in that moment that I've also seen God just say, I've got you. When you read the word of God, and you learn, you ask this question, what does this tell me about who God is? As I read this, and I read, but I'm a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. What does this tell me about who God is? That God is extremely generous, merciful to make me this, this priesthood. So, Who do I tell that to? When I learn about who God is, as I read the word of God, there must be, at the same time, as you pray about it, as you think about what you're reading, ask yourself this question. God, who can I share this with today? And it may be that God puts a name on your heart and mind. Or it could be that you sense, just wait and see. And you look through your day, and I found that when I do that, that there will be situations that come up. There will be counseling situations or or everyday conversations that happen that I will say, let me just share with you something I got from God to this morning. And you exhale. You talk about the goodness of God. I found that when you exhale, it frees you up to inhale again. I'm not talking rocket science here, guys. But spiritually, when you tell about God to others, you'll be amazed at how God will bless the reading of your word the next day to give you another inhaling of his spirit through his word. You want to receive from God? He watches and sees what what will you do with what he gives you. And when you give it out, the word of God that teaches you through the day, then he sees you as a multiplier. Let me just share with you some scriptures that that speak to this. Uh, Notice Isaiah. If you turn your Bibles for just a second, we won't be able to put this on the screen, so you just have to turn in your Bibles. Worked for 2,000 years. Isaiah 43. Verse 20 and 21. You'll see this the same system in the Old Testament with how God worked with the nation of Israel. He says, The wild beast will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself. That they might declare my praise. You see that? God nourishing them through the wilderness so that they would glorify him. Let's go to chapter 60, same book. A few pages, a few pages over. Look at verse 21.
your people shall all be righteous, and they shall possess the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. You see it again? Why has God been working with them? What, what is he doing? The purpose is that he would be glorified by his people. That they would talk with their mouth. That they would show with their deeds. Let's keep on. Let's, let's go over to the New Testament. Go to John chapter 15. Jesus took the same idea that you see in Isaiah, you see in Jeremiah, the vine and the branches. John 15, verse 7. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. So there's the inhaling the word of God. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The bearing of the fruit is the exhaling, is the evidence of the inhaling. How do you know when someone is abiding in Christ? Because they bear much fruit. By this my Father is glorified, so that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Go down to verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit shall abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. You see it again, this constant refrain throughout the inhaling of the Word of God. Uh, the inhaling of the Spirit of God through the Word of God is made evident by the fruit we bear. It shows that we are disciples of Christ. And so as we breathe as a church, inhale the Word of God must have an exhaling of declaring the greatness of God, proclaiming His greatness. You see this in, in Ephesians uh, chapter 1. The same theme is there that He has been giving this. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love, he predestined us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us and the beloved. Over and over and over again. Why are you here? Why do we have Christmas? Why do we have Easter? Why has God through His grace ministered to us, given us new life? Why is the Spirit of God in us? Why do we read the Word of God day in, day out? Why do, do I explain the Word of God to us? It is simply so that as we as a people together would exhale, giving glory and praises to God to proclaim His greatness. We must be a people throughout the week are talking about who God is. How good He is. And sometimes we're kind of sheepish to say, well, thank God or praise God. And we're just kind of like, oh, sheepish about it and scared. There must be a looking in our heart and looking in the Word of God and say, God, forgive me for caring more about the fear and rejection of mankind than the goodness of who you are. Marinate my heart 
my mind in your word so that it seeps out. You know how Thanksgiving was, right? When you came in, that house where it was cooking. You smelled it when you opened the door, didn't you? That meat that had been cooking, that was marinating, the smells could not be contained. If y'all weren't so full and sick of turkey, y'all probably be a little drooling right now. But as you are marinated in the Word of God, it is to come out, it is to declare the greatness of who God is. So we proclaim Him. Now, we keep on reading, what Christ has made us, what Christ has made us to do, and let me just finish up by saying how Christ has made us. How has He made us into this? And and so He gives us this insight as we read chapter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That last phrase, how Christ made us. He made us by calling us out of darkness into his marvelous light. It is to say, it's as if, We were as the Lazarus in John 11, that we were dead in the tomb, not a light around. But Jesus coming to the tomb says, Lazarus, come forth. It is the same as Jesus coming to us, calling us by name, and said, Jared, come forth. That he made our dead bones rise up again. And in that moment, he said, let the stone be rolled away. Remove the garments from his face and from his body. And there you see marvelous light. To say that we have been transferred by the call of God out of darkness into his marvelous light. And here's the amazing thing. As we proclaim, as we proclaim God's greatness. As I go through my day and I say to this dear brother, have you considered how God has been so good? I was able to share with him. You know, I praise God that you and I, we don't have to be all the sum of our past mistakes. God has been good. He has injected to me grace and mercy through Jesus Christ dying on the cross. I am no longer just the sum of all my past mistakes. And I was able to talk to him and proclaim his goodness. And here's the amazing. As I proclaim his goodness, God can use that. Use that to call out a dear brother, a dear sister, and make him a brother and sister. And say, you've heard my son declare his greatness. And through the declaring of the greatness by the powerless God's spirit, he can call out people to himself. Why, why is it upon us? Why is it upon us to declare his greatness? First of all, because all of God's done. And we're breathing in the word of God. And it says natural for, for a, an apple tree that receives apple sap to produce apple trees. As for us to declare his greatness. But here is pragmatically a great thing. As we declare his greatness, God calls as i preach the word and share this is what god has done there is something spiritual supernatural that takes place as i read the word of god and share it from my life god uses it and has his spirit to take the words of it the message of it pierces a sinner's heart and there's a call ushering out to that person and it can transfer them from darkness into marvelous lights as i shared with you some time before look around i know it's the sunday after thanksgiving folks still traveling and recovering 
But there's plenty of space here, is there not? For us to declare the greatness of God. And you think, well, pastor, I'm not like you. I, I don't know all these scriptures. I don't, I, you know, I don't spend all my time studying these things. I don't, I don't have the ability to communicate like you do. There is nothing in this Bible that says declare his greatness if you have these gifts and talents. All that's required is you reading the word of God, letting the word of God minister to your heart. You see, all that's required. Here, here's the secret to discipling. How do you teach someone the gospel? How do you grow them, help grow them in the Lord? Here's the secret. Here it is. Just know this. All you have to do is know one thing more than they do. That's it. Just have to know one thing more that you can share with them. You don't have to go to seminary, all right? Uh, you don't have to read the Bible all the way through. All you have to do is just read the Word of God, believe it, let it change your heart, and share with them that one thing. Why do I read the Word of God? Part of it is because it's in the nourishment of my heart, but it's also because I can know one thing more about who God is. So that I can declare his goodness, his greatness. So let me just challenge you. I want you between now and January 1st, start praying about who would be that one or two others that you will talk to. Maybe you get coffee with or eat together or maybe you just call them up or maybe you just send them an email. What, who will be that one or two people that you will just share with them what you have learned from reading the word of God? That just as you read the word of God on a daily basis, that you will be looking each week how I can share God's word. They may be believers, they may not be believers. It doesn't really matter. The point of it is that you declare his goodness, his greatness. Why don't we wait and see? If we will just step out and see, God, what will you do with one person that's willing to share the goodness of God? Will we be like the the shepherds, that when they get the word of what Jesus has done, and that he's being born in Bethlehem, that they say, let us go and see this great sight. And they go and they see the great sight. This is the inhaling, the word of God, seeing God. But then the Bible says they go on and they went praising God. And everyone around wondered at the things that these men said. And Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Will we be as those shepherds? To say, let me see Jesus as I read the word of God. I want to come to him. I want to come to him as my foundation. I want to come to him as my pattern. I want to come to him as the most precious thing that I can be, that I can have. And let me declare his greatness. I would love to see, after us, 2018, just being committed to breathing. Inhale God's word. Exhale, declare his greatness. Why don't we pray about that and see what God will do with a people who will breathe his word, believing it, trusting it. What do you have to lose? People make fun of you. They might think you're a loon. You know, it helps if you just come to terms with that. <laughs> Don't pretend you're not. 
And just so you know, people are going to think I'm crazy about all kinds of silly things. Why don't people think I'm crazy about something worthwhile? About the Word of God. See where God places you. Able to talk with Mr. Tom Havens. He's soon to be 97. Talked to him about being in the hospital, and he doesn't want to be in the hospital. I know he would. Over at Wellington, he doesn't want to be in Wellington. I know he would. But I say, you know, Mr. Tom, you're a missionary here. You've got a mission. Wherever you're at, proclaim the goodness of God. Wherever you go. Why don't we pray about that? Will you join me in prayer?